Welcome to Jets Rewind and JetsRewind.com. This is Marty Shupak from Valley Cottage, New York. I'm joined by Ray Clifford from Marysville, Ohio. It is Saturday morning right now. It's about 10.39. We're doing this about 27 hours before the Jets um, will uh, host the Philadelphia Eagles, where, who they have not beaten. Ray, how are you doing today on the College Football Championship Saturday? Yeah, uh, doing good. It, it's uh, no Buckeyes in the championship this year, but uh, you know what? It's change is good. So I, I, I wanted the uh, Michigan Ohio State rivalry to get back to being a rivalry, which probably would not make my fellow Buckeye fans happy. But I like that fear of losing, like when the Jets play the Dolphins, who used to be our main one, but now it's the the dreaded Empire in New England. Up I-95. All right, Ray, let's get going. I have a trivia question for you, okay? Because I know right. you love it. You're like, you're just adding <laughs> a thousand percent. Yeah. Ray, um, as far as sack leaders all time for the Jets, Mark Gastineau has 107 and a half sacks. Joe Klecko has 78 sacks. And that has changed, which I'll get to in a second. But the question for you, Ray, I want you to try to round off the top six. Uh, and I want, I'm going to make it easy for you. You only have to give me three out of four names. I gave you two. There are four more players in the top six. You only have to give me three out of four. Okay. So, just so you know, Ray, the um, sacks, I, it changed um, the way they calculated because for the longest time they had Joe Klecko at. And I would go crazy because they would list him at 24 sacks. And I'd say 24. I've so they it. added that uh, year in that he had, what was well, it, 20? Whatever it is, they adjusted it. It kind of reminds me like in basketball, when they, st when they started keeping track of block shots. I mean, I think it was somewhere around the late 50s or early 60s. And they, and they keep going back, have people looking at film. Uh, looking at people just to get the statistics yeah. correct. Because as you know, uh, people who love sports are driven by statistics. But Ray, we have a, let's get to the Jets right away. All right. Okay. And a um, couple of things I want to talk about. I gave you a little agenda. I, the first thing is I, I want to talk about Robert Sala. And I want to ask you, I've noticed the last two games, uh, uh, I see some good signs from Robert Sala, and it's a combination of he's a little more animated on the sideline with the players. He's a little more animated with the referees, which I think you have to be as an NFL coach, not so much for a flag that was thrown, but it could be for the next flag. Because as we know, a lot of times they like to make up for a call for the coaches. But also I like some of the maneuvers he's been doing and especially with the timeouts, he's getting a little bit better. So I just want your opinion on the growth of, of Robert Sal. Are you seeing the same thing that I'm seeing the, since the uh, Miami game and the Texan game? Um, yeah, I'd, I'd like to think that he's getting a little more settled in there on the sideline. And uh, he's definitely, they a couple of times, you know, they cut to him on the camera and he's definitely, if he's not, yelling at the refs he's definitely questioning their call and trying to 
trying to, you know, understand or, or kind of get on them a little that they didn't call something right. And I kind of like that. And then, and I think what you're talking about is the old squeaky wheel thing. You know, the, the more you chirp at them, the more you get a result. I mean, it definitely works in basketball, um, football, probably not as much, but it, it works pr- pretty much anywhere. If you're, if you're riding the ref and eventually they're going to start paying more attention, I think is what it is more than anything. They just, you know, are going, this guy's, you know, let me see if this is happening and, and you'll see more flags because the ref's looking for things that they're pointing out to them. So um, I'm not for more flags, but I'm for more correct calls, you know, and, and when they miss one, like, um, and I, I don't think it had a, to do with the him griping, but I remember in this past game, um, late in the game, they tackled a guy and, and knocked him backwards out of bounds and they kept the clock running, but against, uh, who was it again, when the last the other game we won against Miami uh, could have been Miami. I thought it was a game we won, but, um, oh, good. but either way, it was the same thing. The guy went out of bounds. It was, it was closing on halftime and, and it saved the other team a timeout. Whereas they should have kept the clock running. He was griping at the ref for that. So those are the type of things that I, I like that he's kind of calling him out on things that they, they should be calling in our favor and to keep an eye on and just, you know, harp on them about good. thing. don't get on their nerves over stupid things, but let them have it when they, when they don't make a good call, especially if they make a really bad call, you know, he he's had a couple times and then the last couple weeks now he's done it. And, and I like that. I, I like that. And I like how he's handled, uh, how he's handling the team. I think he holds, you know, I, I think he doesn't do it in front of the cameras, but I think he's holding guys accountable. And I think, uh, and I think you'll see results as, uh, because of that. Right. Right. I think you're right. And uh, the, I was going to get into that in a second, but I like the fact that he'll just put another guy in right now. And uh, case in point <clears throat> is our new right guard, this um, um, player, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Uh, I call him Dr. LDT, which we're going to talk about in, the, in a second. And uh, he, he seems to be putting guys in that he thinks are going to put his team in a position to winning. And I want to give him credit because we were all on him for not playing. Um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Denzel Mims. But apparently he, there was a reason for that. And, uh, you know, you have to respect that. And of course, I think we might see Mims this week. So I, I like what he's doing with the personnel. He's mixing and matching. He's moving them around. And mm-hmm. uh, again, we're not on the hardest part of the schedule, but, and you and me is, have been on him the way we got to delay a game, the way we use our timeouts and our clock management. And in a matter of like the last two <clears throat> games, I, I've seen an improvement in, in all of the above. Yeah. And part of the reason is people don't realize when you're an NFL head coach, you have 10 million things going through your head. You know you got to get a playoff. You know how many timeouts you have. But still, things come up and you're forced to use them, especially if you're a rookie coach. And I believe it was the Miami game, which was driving you and me crazy. In the second yeah. half, he used two timeouts within the first five minutes of the third quarter, which was driving us crazy. And I, 
he's going to improve from that. And I yeah. still have a good feeling about Robert Sala. <clears throat> Talking about him, Ray, um, and you mentioned how you thought Mike LaFleur calls a different game with Zach Wilson in there. Putting mm -hmm. that aside, what do you think about the growth of Mike LaFleur since he's moved up to the booth? I like, uh, in general, I think it's been better. I don't, I still don't know if that's because of him going up to the booth or if it was because of change of quarterback. Um, Cause he seemed to change his play calling again when the quarterbacks changed. And I, I didn't think he called as good of a game, even though we won last game um, as he called when the other guys were in there. Um, but he, even with Zach in there, I, I thought he made uh, better play calling, uh, you know, it, it can't be easy to be a offensive coordinator for the first time in the NFL. And, um, and I think he's learned a lot since the beginning of the year. Um, so, you know, I, I put a lot of it on Zach too, because I don't know if Zach isn't just not adjusting to NFL life where the other guys are more comfortable with how you take what they give you and I think Zach learn has learned that a little he looked like he did more of that so a lot of it that I'm blaming on LaFleur could be on Zach I mean I don't necessarily think so because it looks like Zach doesn't audible a whole lot so he's going with the play that's called I just don't know that he's making the right reads a lot of times and so there might be a lot of the difference between the quarterbacks and LaFleur um but all in all, I think he's grown. I think he's gotten better. And and if, you know, being upstairs has been a part of it, great. Keep him up there. Um, do whatever works. If you, you know. if you remember, Ray, beginning of the year, I thought it would have been a good idea to have an experienced assistant head coach. And the guy I had in mind is the guy that's now coaching with uh, Herm Edwards at Arizona State, the former yeah. coach of the Bengals. What was his name? Uh, yeah. yeah. He, he was there for years and he, he yeah. couldn't make the play or win a playoff game. Oh, he could make the playoffs. He just couldn't win them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I just thought yeah. when you look at a team that Marvin, has, Marvin. Yeah. My, now I'm thinking Marvin Harrison and it isn't Marvin Harrison, Marvin, uh, ah, whatever. He was the head coach for years and he yeah. was a defensive coordinator with the Ravens too. He was and Washington, I think too, maybe. He, he, he made it around. He, he was a good coach. He just couldn't win in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I thought he would have been a, a good guy. Look, the, the Jets started the season, let's face it, rookie coach, rookie offensive coordinator, rookie defensive coordinator, rookie quarterback. I thought having him to bounce things off uh, would have been a good idea, uh, yeah. knowing that he wouldn't be, wouldn't be in line to be the head coach. But whatever it is, it, it, that didn't work. The Jets are, are now, you know uh, – they're fully committed to Robert Sala and the situation. Oh, yeah. Uh, the defense bounced back a little bit against the Texans, especially the second half. They were phenomenal. Ray, I just want to talk about some of the personnel and, and the potential. <coughs> Excuse me. In particular, uh, three players. I want to start with the last one. I just mentioned the right guard, uh, Laurent Duvernay Tardif. Mm -hmm. And I call him, he's the doctor, uh, LDT. 
And it, it was a good pickup. They they traded the tight end Brown for him, who they got back too. So in essence, they got him for nothing from the Chiefs, which I find really incredible that the Chiefs let him go so easily. The one thing I like, though, is that he had a no-trade clause. And part of that, I think, is because he is a medical doctor. He's from Canada. He devoted two years to the covering the virus. But he approved the trade to the Jets. So there was some sort of feeling he had. Now, he, he's not blowing it up, but he's an incredible improvement over Greg Van Routen. He's 30 years old. I don't know. I'm guessing the contract is just this year. Ray, do you think he's just a placeholder uh, for another draft pick in the first or second round, or you think uh, the Jets should re-sign him for another year or two? Well, so far, how he's played has been pretty decent. It's definitely an, an upgrade. Uh, if they, you know, without, uh, I'd say without putting, you know, spending a lot of money. Yeah. I'd, I'd definitely re-sign him. And, and, uh, that way, I mean, if nothing else, it'll add depth, you know, and if, uh, and if whoever we draft isn't ready, you know, they can sit behind him and learn and, and, and kind of learn the, uh, you know, the, the system and things and, uh, go from there. But, uh, yeah, I, I would be all for them re-signing him and, and getting, uh, you know, uh, and, and drafting a guy and, and getting somebody who can, uh, uh, you know, kind of keep, keep the, uh, keep the line steady. I mean, just give us a solid group there and, and then add to them as best you can. I mean, this is a big year, not just for the offensive line and stuff. I think this is a big draft because we really need to, uh, um, we really need to uh, fill some holes. We have so many high picks and even if they trade some of those and get more picks, you know, depth guys, whatever we need, we just don't, we don't not just have not have starters. We don't have a lot of depth. So we don't have, we don't have a lot of room for injuries like some of the better teams do who seem to be able to just plug somebody else in and keep going. We aren't in that position. So uh, yeah, if they can, if it's the right price, I'm definitely all on board with them keeping them. Yeah. And um, as everyone knows, I mean, a few things happen with the offensive line where uh, the guard Lewis, he kind of went out of football and uh, we were stuck with uh, with uh, Van Routen. And he, he was just horrible. I described him, Ray, as it's like a guy on roller skates, the way he was getting pushed back. It, it was just unbelievable. And for Jet fans looking ahead in the draft, right now on the offensive line, Evan Neal, the tackle from Alabama, <coughs> excuse me, is the highest rated offensive lineman. Um, there's another player from Iowa, Tyler Linderbaum. He's a center. He's pretty highly rated. He's been all over the Jets' message boards. For some reason, the fans like him. North Carolina State has a guard, Akeem e Kuana, who's supposed to be really good. And um, <clears throat> there's also a, a, another guard. I, I'm not finding him, but I believe he's from, oh, from Texas A&M, Kenyon Green. He's really good too. So there are players out there. It's just a matter of who they're going to pick, whatever. I know they are 
a big uh, priority is going to be a uh, edge pass rusher. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm, this cold is driving me nuts. And um, the one that everyone's talking about is this Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan, who probably upped his stock against with the Ohio State game. Yeah. <coughs> and Ray, I, have you heard anything about Bryce Huff when he's coming back? <coughs> Hold on. Hang on. Uh, have I heard about who coming back? Bryce Huff. I haven't heard anything on Bryce Huff. <laughs> yeah. I just read something about uh, Lawson uh, was ahead of schedule on his rehab and, and thinks he'll be 100% ready to go uh, next year. And, and he says, I want to come back better than I was, which everybody would like that. And I mean, there's no no guarantee, but um, uh, I think uh, I think uh, as far as uh, edge pass rushers, edge pass rushers, I, I I think you know our best bet is if Lawson's healthy. We don't seem to have a lot of luck drafting him. Now that kid from Michigan, he'll uh, he'll be gone by four or five, which is where we're looking at drafting right now. And so unless we uh, move up the board a little, I think he'll be gone by the second or third pick. Um, right. I think you're right. So, um, yeah. but Wait, there I, are some others that yeah, there uh, are. look good. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, the other two players I want to mention, we spoke about Quincy Williams, but I just have such a good feeling about this guy. If he gets it under control and I just want to go to the last player, I've been touting the last two weeks. He went from practice squad to starter is Elijah Riley, the safety. He's looked really good. And again, you can't judge him on just two games. The first game, he was a little hesitant coming up to some tackles. The second game, he looked a lot more comfortable. <coughs> he's really, I think he's really, uh, um, he, he's a guy that could stick. So if Elijah Riley, uh, if if he could work out, Ray, uh, I mean, I think we've, we've seen our last list of Marcus May between his injury and the contract situation and the off-the-field issues. I don't yeah. know how it ends. I don't know if they have to give him a injury settlement, but I, they're not going to sign him. He, he's going to be gone. What's your feeling on that? Uh, I can't bring <coughs> him back. I just don't think he's uh, – I you know, I don't – I think he says he wants to come back now because I, he thinks there won't be many more suitors, but I mean, I, I can't even see for a reduced price, bringing him back as much as I thought, you know, he was good to have back there um, for what we had. I mean, he was the best we had and he, he kind of, he seemed at times to be able to really run the backside of the defense, but he wasn't consistent. He wasn't the best guy, but I mean, I like what I've seen out of Riley so far. I mean, if if they can continue to develop him, you know, I don't think the loss of Marcus May would be as big a deal. And there are some good safeties in the draft, too, some good safeties in DBs who, you know, very possible we go that route um, because from, you know, and I, I thought Bryce Huff was our, number one guy but especially the way he seems to be coming on but Bryce, from what Hall, I'm reading, Bryce Hall you mean Bryce Hall yeah yeah um, 
but from what I'm reading, they don't consider any of the guys we have now as a number one corner. And uh, so I think they want the guy that's considered the shutdown corner. Well, there are a few coming out who might fit the bill, but to me, that's almost like drafting, you know, a quarterback. It's like, yeah, they look good in college, but boy, the pro game's a lot tougher. And when we, we've drafted a few supposed shutdown corners over the years, and they haven't even come close to uh, fitting the bill. Namely, D. Milliner is the one that comes to mind, but there are, there are a couple others who we expected a lot out of, and they didn't live up to it. Not, not that they all were terrible, but um, they definitely weren't shutdown corners like Revis was. Um, so um, there are some options, but I think to me, I, I'm, I'm more concerned about the lines than I am at this point on the offense, especially than I am the, uh, than I am the backside. I think the backside has looked solid. I think we need a, if we can't get an edge, if Lawson doesn't come back hundred percent, then we need to get a, a linebacker who can make a difference. If these guys they drafted this year, don't develop. I think that's, that to me is something I'll be watching even more than the, the DBs at this point. Good linebacker. He played last night on Utah. Mm-hmm. There's a good linebacker on Georgia. You can watch tonight, Ray. Um, you're right. The draft is very strong at defensive backs, safeties, and linebackers. So the Jets are going to get something. Ray, let's talk about our quarterback. Okay. Uh, I, I'll start and you could react. I mean, I was going to hold off till next week, but the biggest jump for a quarterback is from year one to year two. It's everyone says, and uh, local sportscast, the former quarterback, Boomer Esiason, and he's very good when he discusses that. But mm. I don't have a good feeling about Zach Wilson, and, and I'll tell you why. I'll give my reasons. Um, his, his missing the receivers are very telling to me. But even more telling are a lot of his completions, Ray. So many times when a guy has a step on a defender and if he just led him, they would have gotten so much more yardage. He's throwing the ball either to the body or behind the receiver. And I see this time and again, and I just don't understand why it's happening. And I've been all over Corey Davis for his drops, but part of that is Zach Wilson is not making it easy for the receivers. So that's a big concern. I think he bails out too soon out of the pocket. Even that completion on that uh, long pass to Corey Davis, if you look at that play when he told him to go long, I don't know why he bailed out. He really didn't have to do that, but he's doing that time and again. And the other thing is he cannot hit short passes. I don't know what it is. I know you had said you wish he would just fire it. But when he does that, like he did to Elijah Moore, throwing a 100-mile-an-hour fastball 10 yards away, he's got no chance to catch it. And I think what you're going to see is they're going to try to teach him touch. And if he stays at quarterback for the rest of the year – Mark my words, you're going to see him overcompensate on one of those passes to the flat, and he's going to throw a knuckleball that's going to be picked off for a pick six. 
I'm not really in love with Zach Wilson from what I've seen. I hope I'm wrong. I am in love with Elijah Moore. I think he's a budding superstar. I really believe if Zach Wilson is kept as our quarterback for the next two or three years, it's going to stagnate the growth of Elijah Moore. I also think that having Zach Wilson at quarterback could hurt the Jets as far as attracting free agents, as far as receivers. And um, you have to ask yourself, Ray, if you're a agent for, let's say, a number one receiver and the Jets are offering money and another team's offering money, where would you advise him to go, depending on the quarterback? Now, also with Zach Wilson, off the field, there's a few things I don't like. Um, it didn't bother me at first when he got his coach, Coach Beck, a job with the Jets. But thinking about it, it's a lot of hand-holding for this guy who's a college quarterback. Another thing that bothered me, Ray, I remember I sat down at the beginning of the year in September to watch a college game, BYU. And who are they paying on the sidelines? It's Zach Wilson. I'm saying to myself, what the heck is he doing there? Now, the Jets didn't have a game that Sunday, I remember. But I don't know why he's showing up at the BYU games. I mean, I, I want a guy that's a 24-7 Jets quarterback. That's what I want. And then I read like a week or two weeks ago, his girlfriend um, opened up a fashion line. And it's like he's, he's doing this stuff without establishing any sort of equity. It's like um, Aaron Rodgers, who I'm not a fan of, he has some years in the NFL before he went on to Jeopardy. And um, your favorite Tom Brady, also he has a lot of stuff there before he started uh, doing this TB12 and everything. I hope I'm wrong about Zach Wilson. I just don't have a great feeling about him. And I'm gonna yield to our coach who I think very highly of. So again, I hope I'm wrong, Ray. You could shoot bullets at everything I said now. I'd like your response. Well, the main thing I would say, and this is from knowing you, is that you, uh, your patience with a, a guy to develop and grow is limited. And I mean, very limited. Um, the the bum tag comes out pretty quickly uh, with a lot of guys. Um, we aren't even at year two yet. And you're already, you know, forget the, the big jump is from year one to year two. You're, you're projecting year five already. And, uh, and now we're, now we're not bringing in free agents. These free agents, let's, let's face it. These free agents are going where the money is. Now, if the money's equal, you might be right. They might go somewhere else if they feel like they aren't a match, but if the jets are offering more, a dollar more than team number two, believe me, these guys will come to the Jets. I'm not worried about free agents. Um, I don't know if bringing Beck was Zach's idea or the Jets' idea, but I don't have a problem with that either. Handhold him all you want. Till he what's, what's next? You're going to bring his mother on the sideline? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, let, let me put it this way if he turns into a better quarterback, do you have a problem with that? No. Okay, then. I don't. I don't. So they're trying something to make him a better quarterback. If that means they got a, 
hold his hand till he, you know, becomes comfortable at, at the NFL level. So be it. I, all that stuff to me is, you know, do whatever it takes because I'm fine with it. I don't, I don't care about that stuff. As far as the off the field thing, I remember Keyshawn went to a USC game his first or second year. I remember a lot of, a lot of guys do that, especially on a week off. I don't have a problem with any of that stuff because I don't think that means he's not focused on being the quarterback of the Jets. As a matter of fact, I think some of these guys, especially if they're in the New York market, they probably need a little time to decompress once in a while, especially when things aren't going well. The pressure here, yeah, I, I'm all for it. Get away. Get away and clear your mind for a day or two. Then come back, you know, a little fresh and, and uh, ready to roll, especially on a week off. I don't have a problem with that. But as far as his on-the-field on stuff, that's where uh, um, he's got to show improvement. And I, I'm giving him more leash than you will because I just – know that some guys develop at different, you know, rates as, than other guys. So, you know, there are, there are a lot of, actually, you could go back and find several quarterbacks who were, you know, sitting on the sidelines for years and then finally got a, a real shot and turned into outstanding quarterbacks. And the, partly because they got in a system that fits them. And the one that comes to mind the most for me is Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon had a decent career and then he went to the Raiders under Gruden and he just blew up and he was like this, unbelievable quarterback for about five years he was great he was uh at kansas city he was uh, a pedestrian he was good he wasn't bad but he wasn't uh he wasn't what he ended up those last few years with the raiders um so everybody develops differently and, and the system is different and and like you said we got rookie offensive coordinator rookie head coach so they got to learn to adjust to Zach too, as much as he's got to learn to adjust to them. And I think part of Zach's adjustment is going to be, you got to start hitting those shorter throws. You got to start checking down. You got to start seeing the field better. And, you know, he's got the arm now, you know, go through, you know, I think if not during this season and in the off season, I think his whole off season should be working on accuracy, you know, doing drills to be more and more accurate. And I, that is something that can be, can be um, improved. Right. So can, can I, can I just on. interrupt? Because coming out of uh, BYU, one of his biggest attributes was his accuracy. And Supposedly. yeah. And as far as it, it's gone South. Yeah. And, well, and I think he's gone South on the short passes for sure hitting guys in the shoestrings and stuff. But, but but part of being an NFL quarterback, you're making short, besides the reads, you're making short, middle, and long throws. Right. And you have to adjust your touch. Yeah. And I don't see him doing it. And I just wanted to ask you, what about your feeling when I said that? I think he's going to stagnate the growth, at least this year, of Elijah Moore. Do you agree with that or not? I don't know if he's going to stagnate it as much as it's just going to be, you know, you know stagnate it, meaning he, he doesn't grow. I don't think Elijah Moore won't be better no matter what, because I think there are so many ways to get him involved in the offense. Will he be better if Zach starts making better throws to him? Of course. Elijah Moore is a, a weapon and we've got to use him. Um, but if that gets, 
stagnated till next year. Are you still there? I'm here. Okay. Well, for some reason, my, <laughs> my the thing went off my screen. I thought okay. it shut down. Um, if he doesn't have the same, you know, the same rapport with him as he has with the other quarterbacks and doesn't get as much stat wise and numbers wise, I still think he's growing every week. He grows in practice. He grows on the field. I'm talking Elijah Moore here. Uh, so I think he'll grow no matter what. Now the question is going to be, can Zach improve to, so we can make him more of a weapon during games and on the field. And I think he can, but it's going to take time. It, it clearly Zach, he's known for his accuracy. Yes. In college. And, and this is what I've always said. I don't trust what I see with most elite college quarterbacks because they usually are, their receivers are usually so open that there's not that there's not that need to put it in this tiny little window like you have in the NFL. And you're finding a lot of these guys who are supposedly accurate aren't as accurate as we think they are, you know, when it gets to the NFL game, because you don't have a guy with five yard, you know, cushion to throw it out there to. Yeah. He can hit the long ball to a guy wide open. He can, he can hit a guy over the middle, but can you do it when they're, you got to, put it between a, a DB and a linebacker and you have about a 12 inch window to put it in. He hasn't been able to do that at this point. I don't know if that's in his head or if it's something that um, he just needs to work on. But I think that, that again, I think in, he can work on that and in, in drills, if it's off season or during the season, I think he can become more accurate. All right. Listen, um, of course, talking about Zach Wilson, you have a, half empty and half filled glass. And um, again, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say two words before we go back to the trivia question, close this out. In all fairness to our rookie quarterback, he came in with a weak offensive line, okay, which has been getting better. That's number one. Uh, Elijah Veritaka missed all the preseason. This guy is a real stud. They got the, the, the doctor, LDT. He's better than Greg Van Routen. Um, they have uh, Becton is out, which I actually think is an improvement. I know you'll disagree. So mm. I, I want to give him uh, a little ye uh, leeway that way. Also, the fact that the Jets don't have a tight end, that is huge because mm. yeah. quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks, will rely on a good tight end, okay? Um, so I'll say this. He's the quarterback. Uh, my patient, as you said, is very short. The season is 17 games. Next year, after the first four games, we don't see any improvement. They've got to go to another plan. And I'll say this. I really like Joe Douglas. I do not think his job is tied into the success or failure of Zach Wilson. And I think if our ownership, Woody Johnson, does that, he's making a huge mistake. I really believe, and this is, even though the 2020 draft was not great, he is building a good foundation and system. I think you have to keep him. I'm going to give Zach Wilson, Ray, you convinced me to the first four games of next year, and then he's going to be on my bum list so fast, you're not going to believe it. It won't take four games. All right. <laughs> but, but I'll just leave it with 
leave this with one word before we get back to the uh, trivia question. And the one word I'm going to leave it with is Kenny Pickett, the quarterback from Pitt. That's the guy I love. <clears throat> and in a weak quarterback year, that's a guy who I think is going to be a great pro. Okay, that's my editorial opinion. Ray, let's go back to the trivia contest. I said uh, to you, the all-time leading sack leader of the Jets was Mark Gaston, though, 107 and a half sacks. Joe Klecko had 78. <clears throat> From you, you don't have to give me the numbers. I want, there are four names, additional names to make it round out the top six. Try to give me three of them, not necessarily in the correct order. Okay. Go ahead, Ray, just rattle them off. Um, these are the only three. And, and I... There's four, uh, assume, but give me three. Go all ahead. right, but these were the three names I could come up with. But I was also assuming that with Klecko... Um, since they added in that, but they don't go back very far beyond that. They aren't going back into the seventies, right? With sacks or are they? Yeah, they are. Every they are. jet. Yeah. Okay. I, I, because like you said, for the longest time, Klecos didn't count. Right. So, so let me, know. let me give you a hint. Two of the players are older time players. How's that? Well, I make it easy. That, well, that, that adds, a fourth name because of the others where I was trying to keep in the early, cause I didn't know how far back they went with it. So I, I would add, and I could be wrong. I would add Jerry Philbin to you got it. it. That's one. Go ahead. John Abraham. That's two. Sean Ellis. That's three. Mo Lewis. But you said there's two old timers. So Mo Ooh. won't be it. Mo Lewis. You're wrong, but I asked the three. So actually you got it right. I'll go through the top 10 Ray. You ready? And I'll give the numbers. All right. Mark Gassano, 107 and a half sacks. Joe Klecko, 78. Sean Ellis, 72 and a half sacks. Very underrated jet, Ray. Yeah. Fourth like place, you. Jerry Philbin, 65 sacks. In fifth place, and he wasn't a jet, I think only six years, Verlin Biggs, 58 oh, and a half Merlin. sacks. <laughs> Sixth on the list, John Abraham. He wasn't a jet that long either, 53 and a half sacks. Seven, Mo Lewis, 52 and a half sacks. Number eight, Calvin Pace, 46 sacks. Yes. Number nine, Ray, yours and mine and Ralph's all-time favorite Jet, Mohammed Wilkerson, 44 <laughs> and a half sacks. That's and rounding out the top 10. Yeah, it is a lot. Well, this guy, I mean, he could have been phenomenal. Rounding out the top 10 is uh, the legendary... A player from uh, Alabama, Marty Lyons, who does the color, oh, 43 like sacks. Yeah. So that's it. I think that was very interesting. Ray, yeah. we're going we're gonna to close it out. <clears throat> so uh, everyone enjoy the Jet game tomorrow. And I hope I didn't burst any Jet fans' bubbles about Zach Wilson. <laughs> this I'll say, Ray knows a lot more football than I know. So listen to Ray more than me. So until next time, this has been Ray Clifford and Marty Shupak. Good, Ray. <coughs> that was good. That was I weird. Like All of a sudden, the uh, it's like, and I've had it do it when I'm just doing like certain apps or something beyond there, like a game or something. All of a sudden, it'll disappear and I'll have to start it back up. And that's that's kind of how the camera, my screen was on, but the, the window that this is in just disappeared. And I'm like, are you still still yeah, there? Still, and then, but the smart. thing was at the bottom, and I was like, it's "Okay." It's, my throat. Listen, I want uh, to get out of here because I got to yeah. get to the doctor. All right, thanks. Ray. No problem. You're in and out. I'll give you a call later. Enjoy the games today if you watch. All righty.
Bye. Talk to you.